Blog Talk Radio. Carol the Coach. Sex, love, and relationships. We talk about it here. Carol the Coach. Compassion with contemporary relevance. I am a psychotherapist. I can be your personal life coach and I can help you with your issues. There are no problems too small or too big. You can talk about anything. Speaker, columnist, radio TV host, and commentator. Carol the Coach brings messages of wellness and empowerment within reach of everyday people every day. Almost five years ago, I lost my soulmate in an accident. He was killed in a plane crash. Life just for me has seemed to stop. There are groups all over the city. I mean, I teach one. It is a specific way to start thinking so that you shift how you see the world, which then shifts your energy, and then you feel better and you actually see things differently. Carol the Coach, always available to at carolthecoach.com. Now, I've got Russell on the line. I'm 47 years old. I'm a truck driver. I am married. I have a wife in San Francisco. Okay. I haven't been home in six months. My thing is, I, I don't know if I have a sex addiction or what the problem is. Why do I want what I can't have? And as soon as I can have it, I don't want it anymore. You're right on target when you say, I don't know if I have a sexual addiction. Well, guess what? Yes, you do. And you know what? That's my specialty, Russell. So you're at the right place. Continue. I meet women online and, and I'm in a different part of the country. I, I travel all 48 states, so I love sex. I hear self-esteem issues. You never felt good enough and you didn't feel like you were getting what you should have then. And you're re- Reenacting that now. Do you want to change that about yourself? I got an interesting email from somebody who contacted me and said, Carol, where have you been? What are you doing? You're not regular anymore in terms of your podcasting. And I am guilty as charged. I absolutely commit providing you weekly podcasts from here on out. I have just been beside myself with work and there's no excuse to my podcast listening uh, buddies. Uh, and there's just no excuse. I'm sorry. I finished up that fourth book, Help Them Heal, teaching you both how to heal your relationship after sexual betrayal. And then on top of that, I've got my new IRCM certification coming up week after next. If you're a professional, a professional clinician, coach, pastor, and you want to take this course, it is four days starting next Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And it will, uh, it's a gold standard on couples work. And it will change your practice, and it will change your life. And if you are a sex addict, a partner, or um, a couple out there, you got to get your counselor on this thing. Here's my belief, that even if they're learning about sex addiction, if they are not a certified sex addiction therapist, if they are not partner-sensitive, you're probably going to do more harm than good, and I don't want to see you go through that. I am retired taking new clients, but I have made it my mission to help this field get healthier and to learn what they need to learn to help you all heal. 
Now, for my men that are not in a relationship, this probably doesn't have anything to do with you. But I do want to tell you that what does have to do with you is my show for today because I firmly believe that men with sex addiction need to do the deeper work. And one of the best ways to do the deeper work is with treatment specialists and with models that help you to connect emotionally with yourself, past, and with anybody who's in relationship with another person. So you've had, you've heard me before. I've had Dr. Eddie Caparucci on the show before because I so admire his work. He is a master at helping sex addicts to find out about their inner child. I mean, he wrote Going Deeper, How the Inner Child Impacts Your Sexual Addiction, and now he has a new book, Why Men Struggle to Love, Overcoming Relational Blind Spots. And, you know, he does the same thing I do. He, he works with you to raise the bar on what others may call a low emotional IQ. Now, if you've ever heard of an IQ, you know that that is your ability. Your emotional IQ is an ability to relate to another person, right? And that is so important because that is the essence of life. We were not born to live life by itself. We were born to be in relationship with others. And I know so many of the men and women that I work with, they eventually, after healing, want to give back. And you got to have good emotional IQ to give back. So Dr. Dr. Caparucci, he, he talks about this thing called emotionally undeveloped men. And I think you'll find this show fascinating because he's really wanting to help get you to a place where you can do that deep dive. You can work on those core wounds. He has workshops, of course, his book. He sees people. Um, He's just somebody that you want to get to know because he is one of the masters in the field. So he'll be on here in a few minutes. Um, Always exciting when I have him on. So I have to admit, I have missed you. I really, really have missed you. Um, And I know that it's important for you to get good information about this stuff. Fortunately, everybody's got a little bit of a different spin on things. You all know that most, maybe I shouldn't say most, many, many certified sex addiction therapists like myself, are addicts, unlike myself. And so they come with a wealth of experience primarily because they lived the problem and they made it through and now they're giving back. Most of the partner therapists and coaches that I work with, unlike myself, I am not, 
And they, too, have had that gut-wrenching experience of knowing what it felt like to be betrayed. And so we want to move you, if you will, as a person through the three phases of trauma. You know, not every addict has been through trauma. And it's it's interesting because I've talked to some addicts that say, no, yeah, no, that's not me. I lived a good childhood. You know, I had n- nothing that was traumatic because they're thinking horrendous trauma. They're thinking, you know, I went through World War III trauma in the Ukraine. They're thinking, you know, my mom and dad were killed in a car accident. They're thinking, I've been multiply molested. And those are all indeed traumatic. But trauma comes in lots of sizes, colors, and shapes. And for one man, having a father that says, you'll never amount to anything, could leave a scar that impairs his life, his self-esteem, and his potential. And I'm a life coach, and I'm a certified sex addiction therapist. I'm a mental health therapist of over 42 years. And what I know is that every person has the capability to experience life in a different way. And yet, when you look at the wounds, you look at the pain, you look at the hurt, and you work through them, you're much more likely to get over there to post-traumatic growth. Now, post-traumatic growth is an empirically based, research-oriented phase of life. means that you walk out of a really rough, tough, and traumatic situation with the following. You walk out of it with a deeper appreciation for life. Now, you would think it'd be just the opposite, right? You go through something really, really horrendous, really, really rough, and all of a sudden, you are sitting there saying to yourself, why did this happen? How did this happen to me? Why is my life such a struggle? I actually, my husband said that to to me this week. And it was over something relatively simple. And I said, honey, are you kidding me? (laughs) Everybody goes through things like that. This isn't just happening to you. And then I put my emotionally mature, empathetic hat on. And I said, well, what I hear you saying is that it feels really rough, that it does impart in you a lot of concerns about how the world could treat you this way. And I want you to know that even though I just said this happens to everybody, I'm hearing in your voice that you're wondering why you have to go through it so frequently. And then I did what I would advise anybody who's in relationship to do. I absolutely and actually... Uh, held his hands 
you know, not like hold a hand and walk beside each other, but I just touched both of his hands and I just said, I'm so sorry that this is so hard for you. And I know it is, it, it's really affecting you in a lot of different ways and I'm here for you. Okay, now here I am in the empathy master. That's what I think. I think I'm an empathy master. And I flunked a test with my own husband. I mean, I recouped it. I came back strong. But oftentimes we forget to really validate somebody's experience, especially if to us the experience seems so small. So again, if you look at post-traumatic growth, it's appreciating life in a new way. It's asking yourself, how can you give back now that you've had this horrendous experience? It is, um, or I'm trying to remember from my own book, it is having a renewed sense of spirituality and an existential um, connection again. You know, you look up at the sky and you say, whoa, there is something greater than me out there. So be thinking about your wounds your trauma, your connections, your gifts. And let's listen as Dr. Eddie Caparucci helps us to understand how he assists men in in really overcoming their emotional blind spots. So with that, I'm going to connect us and hopefully... You'll get as much out of the show as I know that I will. So, Eddie, how are you? Dr. Carol, I am great. How are you doing? I am doing well also, and I've just been, I have been talking about how excited I am that you, A, do this work, and B, you're going to be talking about it today because I know that any man or even woman out there who hears what you have to say about those blind spots, they're going to be able to look at their life and figure out what do they need to do to overcome that. So, so since I last spoke with you, first of all, I want to know how you're doing. What is new in your life? (laughs) Carol, there's so many things that are new in my life. Uh, Again, the, the launch of a new book, which was in January, which is taken off very well. Uh, we have, we've just started uh, group uh, inner child uh, work groups based on the first book, the Going Deeper, How the Inner Child Impact Your Sexual Addiction. Those began last week. Uh, there's just so, and there, there are so many irons in the fire right now, uh, different ministries that are looking to uh, work with the Inner Child Program, as well as the whole new book about the idea of being sober is not enough. So I'm just kind of vetting through and trying to decide who uh, I think would be a, a good fit, because, again, you got to be careful about not spreading yourself too thin along the way. But, yes, it's been, been a very blessed time uh, for the ministry, and, yeah, we're really excited for what's going on here. Oh, that's wonderful. And I get what you're saying. You know, Dr. Patrick Carnes said to me when he heard 
really what a busy bee I was, how, how I loved life, but I was always active and just lived every minute to the moment. And he said, Carol, your brain needs to rest. And if you are <laughs> resting that brain, your work is not as good and your relationships are, are not as fulfilled. So rein it back and start taking better care of yourself. And that's what I hear you saying is that you're balancing that right now, correct? I, I'm I'm trying to. If my wife will tell you, she'll say, she say, I think I'm married to the busiest man on the face of the planet. Um, but yes, I am, you know, trying to rein it back again. You know, having the I heard a long time ago from God. He said to me, he goes, you know what? Stay in the trenches. I need you in the trenches. So therefore, my practice is always my number one priority. And it always has been. I think it probably always will be. Uh, but then also looking to branch out just to spread the message to a larger to larger audiences, such as yours, and what we're doing here today about you know again the inner child model and the need to go beyond just being sober to realize to really look for the transformation of the heart. Well, okay, so let's dive in. You know, in this book, you talk about emotionally undeveloped men. So can you explain what that concept is and how does it apply to to addicts that are in good recovery and addicts that are struggling? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, First and foremost, and I think you would agree, that a large segment of people who struggle with addictive behavior and not just um, with a sex or porn addiction. We're talking about addictions across the board. They have what you know, I label as a low emotional IQ. And basically what a low emotional IQ, there's three components to that. One, there's a difficulty in identifying what you feel beyond the fact of I feel happy, sad, fearful, um, they just have a difficult time trying to realize what is the true emotion that I have. And for those who can identify deeper emotions, the second problem is they struggle to be able to express those emotions because somewhere along the line, they got the message that sharing your emotions can be troublesome. They, it could actually be scary in a way because they're not always very well received. And then finally, what they also have a difficult time with, if someone wants to be and share their emotions with them, and they struggle there because it creates a lot of anxiety. I don't know quite what to do with these emotions. Uh, that's why, you know, the one big joke about you know, men is that, oh, if a woman talks to them about something, you know, they'll try to fix it. Well, they're, they're trying to fix it not so much so that they can be a hero. They try to fix it because they want to lower their anxiety and let that emotional distress move away. So with having that low emotional IQ uh, with, our, with our client, what I found, because I went back and I did a lot of research about childhood development and as you well know and many other clinicians that as we're growing up 
there are various stages of development that we walk through that determine how well we can emotionally bond with others. And what I've seen with the people who struggle with addictive behavior is that when it came to those early stages of childhood development, they were not given the guidance and the nurturing required that they could receive those skill sets needed so that they could cultivate healthy relationships. So then what, what piqued your interest in this topic? Was it seeing that occur over and over again, or did something else happen? Well, that, that was part of it, Carol. I've definitely seen it over and over again. But what really piqued my interest was men would be doing their work, their recovery work, and they would make some great strides in being able to manage their addictive behaviors. So they were sober, and you're doing well in that area. However, the spouse or the partner were looking at these guys and saying, well, you know what? He says he's no longer doing fill-in-the-blank. But I'm still seeing all these old behaviors that I saw back then when he was acting out. I see him tend to withdraw if there's a problem in the house. I I tend to see him spending too much time on his phone rather than engaging with the family. Uh, I I tend to see his mood shifting quite a bit where he seems to go and, and to feel depressed. So none of these things were changing whatsoever. And for a woman who is, and I use woman even though I know that there are men there are women who have sex addiction. There are men who have been betrayed, but it's because I work exclusively with men, so I ask people to forgive me for that. But, but they look at this and they say, you know what? If I don't see any change here when he's around me, how can I be assured that he's changed when he's not around me? And so, therefore, what it does, it, it continues to make them feel vulnerable, it makes them feel unsafe, and it makes them worry, you know what, is this change only partial? And I believe it's yes, and that's why I say being sober is not enough. Yeah, I would agree with you 100%. And what you're really doing is deepening their sense of self with their past, present, and and helping them to honor that and and work through it. So how does a man become emotionally underdeveloped? I guess you call it undeveloped. Um, you said undeveloped. something about, yeah, you said something about they didn't really get their experiences validated as a kid. Um, right, that's correct. Again, we go back that- to the early yeah, we go back to the idea of the um, stages of early childhood development. And, and as we're in those mm-hmm. stages as a child, as a, as a toddler and such, we're supposed to walk through these various stages that will help to make us uh, to be able to engage and carry on emotional relationships. So, for example, 
uh, one stage is trust. I learn to trust. How do I learn to trust as a child? I can wander away from my parents and yet look back and know my parents are still there. So therefore, I feel secure knowing that I can go off and I can adventure, I can explore, and I know they're never too far away. They're always there for me if something should happen. We have like a step that's emotional regulation. What do I do when there are so many different emotions and feelings that I have and they seem to be overwhelming me as a kid? Who's there to help me kind of sort them out? What do I do when all of a sudden something becomes so frustrating? Who's there to help me learn how to self-soothe? And again, we find for those who are emotionally undeveloped, no, that doesn't happen. You have empathy. And Carol, I'm sure I know it's a lot in your books, especially in your uh-huh. Help Your Heal book, that these guys uh-huh. uh, is like, uh, how do you spell empathy? What does that mean? I have no idea what that is. And because they're not taught at that stage to be able, okay, what does that look like? Attunement. Being able to get a sense that I can pick up somebody's emotions. I can get a sense that something's off versus I just walk right by you and I pay no attention to the fact that you're hurting or troubling. And then not the final one, but the final one I'm going to talk about right here, and I think it's the most critical one, and that is the inability to sit with emotional discomfort because – When we're sitting here with this pain of a child, let's say, for example, the kid next door took your Nerf gun and he broke it. And now you go home and and you're crying to your dad, you know, Bobby took my gun and he broke it. And dad's like, well, why did you even give it to him? You know you're not supposed to give your toys away to anybody. You know what? No, you're not getting a new one. If you think you're getting a new one, you're out of your mind. You're not. You know what? Just go to your room. So you don't get any empathy from dad. You get no solution from dad of what do I do about the fact that my gun's been taken and broken. But on top of it, now I have to deal with the guilt that, oh, I'm responsible for what happened, and I didn't handle that situation correctly. But here I am, maybe seven, eight years old, and I don't know what to do with this emotional pain. Now, kids not being you know, having a lot of worldly experiences and also not, they think more emotionally based than they do cognitively based. The kid comes up with one solution and it's a great solution for a child. I won't think about it. They're not going to think about this, but how does he do that? He has to distract himself. Too much food, too much television, too much video game, too much fantasy in his own head staying there and then you take that coping mechanism again very good coping mechanism and you carry it into your teen years and your adult years and now what do we see developing we see addictive behaviors that are happening so we have somebody who one doesn't know how to really engage with people in a true emotional relationship But on top of it, because they can't sit with that emotional distress, 
find themselves engaging in activity that can turn out to be addictive. Well, that makes a lot of sense. You know, I have just finished um, a year-long program on mindfulness that a CSAT, uh, Darren Ford, has put together through the Mindfulness Center. And it's so interesting because both for a sex addict and for the partner, part of the work is understanding what happens to them and then learning how to manage that emotional dysregulation and that and creating more of a distress tolerance. And that's what I hear you do too, that, that you really believe that men don't know how to do that and that's an, a crucial component to their own healing. Did I get that right? You did. You definitely got that right. And, and that's why if we look at the blind spot, mindfulness is actually one of them because it does a great job in being able to help us to stay in touch with what's going on around us versus staying in our own head, which is where we trained ourselves to be. I get that. Okay, so then society really does play a big part in this problem, doesn't it? It does. I mean, you think about it, I mean, for years, what what, what has been the um, – the norms in society when it comes to the sexes, okay? You know, little girls are taught to be sweet and kind and feminine and, you know, play with dolls. And boys are taught to be rough and tough and tumbling and, you know, play with, you know, with uh, in athletics and with trucks and things like that. Now, fortunately, that has all started to shift since about the 70s, that started to change where we're starting to see, again, it's okay for kids to play with whatever toys they want or anything like that. However, there are still very many, let's call them traditional parents, who still believe girls should be girls and boys should be boys. And I'm not talking about in the sense that, you know, that we're talking about toxic toxic masculinity, or we're talking about the feminizing of men, but I think that men should be men, and I think women should be women, because we are different in that sense. So there are not enough, there's not enough emphasis placed on helping boys learn that their emotions are valuable, there's a role for them in your life, and you need them in order so that when you become an adult, you are more well-balanced. I think that is still lacking somewhat. Where we're teaching boys more that, hey, you know what? It's okay to be kind of hard. It's okay not to share your feelings and such. And I think that's adding to somebody's problem. Oh, that makes sense, too. So then... Uh, let's talk about these blind spots. I mean, you believe there are 14 blind spots for the men that you work with to really take a look at. So, A, what is a blind spot? And then, B, let's let's talk about some of them. Yeah, well, a blind spot is an obstacle that we possess that prevents us 
from being able to formulate and continue to nurture healthy relationships. And as you said, I came up with 14 of them. I'm not sure that 14 is actually the end all as I continue to you know, process more. And now I've, with the book having been out for almost uh, three months now, I'm getting a lot of feedback from people. And we're just kind of wondering maybe we need to add one or two more along the way. But again, as you mentioned, there are 14. And I'll just run through them very quickly if you want me to. Um, yeah, absolutely. The first one is a, okay. The first one is avoid emotional pain. We talked about that. We just don't want to sit with our pain. The lack of curiosity. Now, Carol, what I'm talking about here is not, not the sense of um, I don't have curiosity about facts. Like I may be very curious with sports or with politics, you know, or, or uh, healthcare, whatever it may be. But when it comes to people. These guys lack curiosity. They do not drill down to see how are things. You know, they may ask the question, how are you doing? And then they get an answer, and they're like, oh, okay, what's for dinner? You know, there's no follow-up to things like that. Hypersensitive, hypersensitive to criticism or rejection in many cases. The struggle to connect, they have a Difficult time emotionally bonding with other people. Inwardly focused, okay, where, where, again, it's more about them than it is anyone else. Now, all of these are coping mechanisms that were developed, again, in our early years to be able to protect us. And that's what inwardly focused is because the sense is no one's looking out for me. There's nobody guiding me, so I have to do it myself. So therefore, what you naturally do is you become inwardly focused versus outwardly focused. Mindfulness, what you were just talking about, that year-long class, which is so important that we need, and these men struggle very, very much in trying to be mindful because they're too much in their own head thinking about 20 different things that are going on or sometimes thinking about nothing. Low emotional IQ, which I outlined to you before. I have something that's called the hide and lie syndrome. And what this is, is that a child, one, feels like he's constantly getting in trouble. I'm in trouble. So therefore, I learn to hide. I fade in with the background. I don't want to be noticed. Because if I get noticed, some kind of negative consequence is going to land on me. And then with lying, they come to understand, well, you know what? When I told the truth, I, I would get in trouble if I, did, if I did something wrong. I get punished as much as if I lied. So why not take the chance of lying and avoiding the consequence that comes with it? These guys also, they lack interest and passion. They don't have as many... Uh, interest as other men do. They also lack friends. They don't really have very many in the way of friends. They could struggle to connect with God or whoever their, whatever their higher power is. Uh, again, because if you're struggling to connect with people, it's really very difficult to connect with someone 
you can't see or touch, and in some cases you can't hear. They have they have compulsive behaviors. They're very compulsive in what they did. Uh, they may suffer from mood or medical disorders. The mood is dealing with anxiety and depression, and the medical order is dealing with um, ADD. And they have a lack of contentment. It's like, is this all there really is to life? Is there no more? It, what, what is the purpose for why I am here? And then finally, the last one is, is fearful. And fear actually runs throughout all of these uh, blind spots. It's in all of them. But I did put one just in its own category itself because fear is at the heart of them that precludes them from trying to reach out and bond with other people. Well, that makes sense. You know, fear is so oftentimes at the root of all human condition. And it was interesting as you were talking about um, these blind spots, I was just talking about post-traumatic growth, which is almost the opposite of these blind spots. So you can see that your blind spots are something that have to be worked on to get people over to post-traumatic growth, you know? Yes, yes. Yeah, what, I, what, what I'm hoping happens with the blind spots, because I think it's just it's like it's ingrained, it's ingrained in us, you know? It's uh-huh. that what we're doing, we're softening them. We may not be removing them, but we're desensitizing ourselves from them. But they may still pop up occasionally, but if it does, okay, I know how to handle it, and I just go back and I take those steps that are needed. And and I don't know if you have an answer to this, but I suspect that you might. What do you think are the two or three out of the 14 blind spots today that are most prevalent with the men that we work with? I, I think if you look at one fear, I think fear, fear is number one that's there. Mm-hmm. I think inwardly focused. I think they're very inwardly focused. They're not looking outside to think about what their consequences can be to other people. It's just more about what I need at the moment, what I desire in, in that aspect, and also avoiding emotional pain. Because I do believe, again, I think there are two core, actually three core things that drive addiction. And one is that um, our unresolved childhood pain point, the avoiding of emotional pain, not being able to sit with those, so therefore we escape. And then three, what we're talking about today is being emotionally undeveloped. That makes a lot of sense. Okay, so now give me an idea of how these blind spots, like pick a blind spot and, and share a story of how it showed up in a man's life and how you worked with that man and how they are now. Okay. Yeah, let, let's do that. And just to let you know with these blind spots, Okay. Most men, as they go through them, identify with a probably about eight. But what's interesting is, as you start to work on one, 
they kind of cross mm-hmm. over, and you wind up working with more than one at the same time. So let's go to the idea of lack of curiosity. Uh, so I had this gentleman who he just, again, a very nice guy. He was working on a, was a, about a porn addiction. He had been almost sober for almost four years. And yet, but yet the one thing his wife kept you know, saying is he can't emotionally connect. He doesn't bond. You know, he, it's like he doesn't ask any questions. So as we looked at his blind spots and we found about around eight, we started looking at lack of curiosity. And his wife had told the story. The reason we, we started here was the story that she told, and that was she had come home from a Bible study, and she it was her first, the first one of the of the new year, and she had several books, and she had a syllabus, and she was all excited. And he's standing in the kitchen. He had just gotten himself a bowl of ice cream, and she walks in, and he said, he goes, so how is your uh, Bible study? She goes, oh, she goes, it sounds like it's going to be so exciting. We have all these different resources that we're going to be using. Do you want to – sit with me and I'll share them with you. And he looked at her and he looked down at his bowl of ice cream. He looked back up. He said, nah, and walked out of the room as he continues eating it. Because again, his ice cream was the most important thing for him right there at that moment. So here it is, that very mm-hmm. narrow thinking, that inwardly focused guy. Like, oh, I, don't, I really don't want my ice cream to melt while I'm sitting here doing this with you. So he does, of course, as you can imagine, she was just heartbroken about that. So we sit down and we start going over, okay, what do we do about the lack of curiosity with him? And, and, and really, what are you supposed to be doing when it comes to being curious? And as I mentioned to you before, it's not so much about facts, it's about people. So first and foremost, one of the things that I started talking to him about was the idea of practicing answering questions, that, you know, we want to try to dive in to understand more about people. So therefore, we took that one example of, you know, the, the books and what she was doing in her Bible study, and I said, what are some of the questions? He said, well, get the first one. It's like, what books are you going to read? Yeah, okay. And then maybe what will be a follow-up question? And he struggled a little bit. And I said, well, what, what is like the objective of each book? Is there some sort of pattern in the studies? Is there an overall theme for the year? And as I said that, it started to kind of click with him, and he started to run over, run across a lot of other different uh, questions. We did a lot of work about mindful because, again, when you stand in the kitchen, when she comes in, he's not really being very mindful. He, he, throw, he, he does like the throwaway question. So how is, how is your class? That's it. And he's not really expecting much back. He's expecting, oh, it's really good. And he's like, okay, good. I can move on now. And you have to understand that we don't throw away questions. We ask questions out of sincerity. We ask them because, not just because we're curious, but because we want to be part of what's ever going on. So that was the other part of it, that mindfulness. 
And then the other aspect of it, too, is to be able to be observant, to observe what is going on around you, what is happening in your environment. Instead of head down, running through life, our head is up, and we are looking around to see, okay, what is happening, and how can I get involved in any of this? So those are just a few of the practical things that we would do for that. It makes a, that makes a lot of sense. And so, Eddie, how can they find your website? How can they get this book? How can they learn more about these emotional blind spots and as well as the deeper work you do uh, with your book and just in general in, in your practice? You said you have groups. Yeah, there was a group. We started a group with a um, with an organization called Sexual Integrity, um, and it just began mm-hmm. as a six week program. And they're going to be offered throughout the year. Uh, right now, this book, this group is full. We're in our second week. It's, as I said, it's a six week program. Uh, my guess is another one will start toward the end of May or early June. Um, so if they, if somebody wants to reach out to me, uh, by my email, Ed Kappa, E-D-C-A-P-P-A at gmail.com, I can send them information about future groups. If they want to learn more about the book, Why Men Struggle to Love, they can go to the website, www.strugglingmen.org, not .com, .org. <laughs> Uh, they'll find out more about the blind spots and what's there. They'll be able to learn more about the book. That book, along with the Going Deeper book, they're available exclusively on Amazon for anybody who wants to go and check those out. Well, you know, I love what you've talked about today, and I, I, I know that anybody who does this deep work can transform their lives and and become emotionally developed and I know there can't possibly be a man that has all 14 blind spots but I bet this has resonated with some men that thought wow I've got a lot of them and so I (laughs) hope they get the book exclusively on Amazon and I hope they check in with you because I have referred clients to you, and they have transformed because of it. So, Dr. Eddie, thank you so much for your guidance, your wisdom, and your insight. Well, thank you, Carol. I always appreciate talking with you, and I appreciate you having me on your program. Well, anytime. You're one of my favorite guests. You make it a good one. And tell your wife I said hello. Oh, I will. And that was Dr. Eddie Caparucci. Uh, I'm telling you again, his books are Why Men Struggle to Love, Overcoming Relational Blind Spots, and his earlier book, Going Deeper, How the Inner Child Impacts Your Sexual Addiction. So, okay, I made a commitment to you. We'll see you back here next week where I always say, oh, boy, now that I think about it, I'm doing my work, I'm going to be all, I'll figure it out. 
<laughs> Did you hear me kind of growl? Oh. Um, so always be one of you at all times. So fearlessly have the courage to be yourself. And make it a good week because no matter what's going on in your life, you have the power to do that. See you next time. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.